Well, if we could this evening with the Lord's help and guidance, if we could turn back to that portion of scripture that we read. If we look at Galatians chapter 2 and the words of verse 20. Paul's letter to the Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. <clears throat> I want to begin this evening by asking the simple question, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? And this question, I know it's relevant for all of us, because some of us in here this evening, we are already Christians. We already profess the name of Christ. But there are others in here this evening in whom I am quite sure would like to be a Christian. They would like to profess the name of Christ. So, what is a Christian? And although it's a simple question, it's a question which has often been difficult to define. Because everyone has their own opinion and their own understanding as to what a Christian is and what a Christian isn't. And our opinions and theories have often shaped our understanding and they've led us to have preconceptions where we have preconceived ideas about the question, what is a Christian? And these preconceptions have also led sometimes to misconceptions about what a Christian is and what a Christian isn't. And I say that because many people think, uh, maybe you do too, many people think that a Christian is just a good person. A Christian is someone who is good living, where they've stopped drinking, they've stopped getting drunk and going out to the pubs and to the clubs at the weekend, and they've cut out swearing, and they're no longer blaspheming the name of God. They're honest, they have integrity, and they help people. A Christian is someone who is good living. They have the curum. They, they are upright. And they, have, they are an upright, upstanding member in their own community. That is the mind of some people. That that's what they think a Christian is. But not only that, some people think that being a Christian means that you attend church both ends of the day and you go to the prayer meeting and you read your Bible and you spend time and prayer. And you know, sometimes I wish that some of the Christians in our congregation were like that. But what's wrong with the view of a Christian and Christianity, what's wrong with that view is that it's all outward. It's all about the outward appearance. It's all about religious righteousness. It's all about what's doing on the outside. That doesn't mean that doing these things are unnecessary and irrelevant and you don't have to do them, not at all. But it does mean that Anyone can do these things. Anyone can do them. Anyone can live an upright life. Anyone can attend church. 
and yet not be a Christian. And so if doing these things doesn't make you a Christian, then what is a Christian? What is a Christian? And asking this question is interesting because when Paul wrote his, this letter to the Galatians, he was dealing with the same issue and he was addressing the same question. Because the letter to the Galatians, it was Paul's first letter to the churches. As you know, Paul wrote many letters which make up the majority of our New Testament. But the letter to the Galatians was the first letter. And this letter was only written about 20 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. But Paul's purpose in writing this letter was to remind the churches in Galatia what a Christian is and what a Christian isn't. Because by the time Paul wrote his letter, the, the Galatians, they had heard the gospel and they had converted from their old religion of Judaism to Christianity. They'd been converted and as Christians they enjoyed the gospel and they loved the gospel and they drank in the gospel and they followed Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. But because the Galatian churches were young churches and they were young in the faith, the church was infiltrated by false teachers. And the false teachers, they dragged the Galatians into thinking that they still needed to keep all these old laws that belonged to the Old Testament. Where they still had to receive the symbol of circumcision. And they had to obey all the old food laws and keep the ceremonial laws for, for sacrificing animals in order to make atonement for sin. But when Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, the first thing he says to them in chapter 1 is, I marvel, he says. I marvel that you're turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, says Paul, but there are some who, who want to deceive you and distort the gospel of Christ. And throughout this entire letter, Paul seeks to emphasize that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of grace. It's not a gospel of works where you have to keep the law in order to be a Christian. No, says Paul, you are free in Christ. You are free in Christ because being a Christian isn't about what you do. He says it's all about what Jesus has done. It's all about what Jesus has done. And so when we come to this beautiful text in his letter, Paul is now speaking from his own experience. And this, he's giving us this personal confession of his faith. And this confession of faith is the confession of a Christian. It's the confession of a Christian. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a confession. What a confession to make. And this is the confession of a Christian. And it emphasizes that someone is a Christian not because of what they did for themselves, but that they are a Christian only because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. And I'd like us to consider this confession of a Christian this evening and see that the confession of a Christian is threefold. It's threefold because, as you can see from this, this verse, Paul has divided it up into three sections. 
where it's either divided by full stops or uh, by semicolons, depending on which translation you're using. But what Paul indicates here about the confession of a Christian, he says the confession of a Christian is a, a, that he says, I am crucified. Then he says the confession of a Christian is, I am connected. And the confession of a Christian is, I am confident. A Christian confesses, I am crucified, I am connected, I am confident. I am crucified, I am connected, I am confident. So we look firstly at the first section where Paul confesses, the Christian confession, I am crucified. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. And from the the outset, Paul stresses that the heart of a Christian ought to centre on the heart of the gospel, which is the cross. The cross and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Because for Paul, the cross was everything. It's central to all our theology, it's central to our salvation, and it's central to our lives as Christians. The cross is is everything. It's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. The cross is the message of salvation, Christ and Him crucified. And Paul believes so much in the centrality of the cross and the beauty of its message That when Paul draws to the end of his letter to the Galatians, he says, God forbid that I should boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is through him that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And for Paul, he brings everything back to the cross. Everything goes back to what happened at Calvary. Because the cross means everything to Paul. But of course there was a day when the cross meant nothing to Paul. There was a day when he had no interest in the cross. And my Christian friend, there was, I'm sure there was a day in your life and my life when the cross meant nothing to us. Where the cross it just seemed like foolishness. Absolute foolishness. Is that not what Paul said to the Corinthians? The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us which are being saved, it's the power of God. Because, says Paul, it pleased God to save those who believe through the foolishness of preaching. Preaching the message of the cross. And for one who grew up as a Jew according to the strictest sect of Judaism, Paul knew what the crucifixion meant. He knew that the act of crucifixion was the most barbaric form of capital punishment that the Romans used. He knew that no one ever survived a crucifixion. And Paul knew that the crucifixion symbolized the curse of sin upon all mankind. Because the law of God distinctly taught that cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. But now as a Christian who loves the message of God's grace and who loves the message of God's mercy experienced through the cross, Paul says that the crucifixion of Christ, it was the greatest blessing. Because in the cross of Jesus Christ, we are no longer in bondage to sin. 
We're no longer under the power of, of the law that condemns us. We are no longer under the curse of the law. No, says Paul. When he goes into chapter 3, at the, uh, chapter three he says, We are no longer cursed by the law because Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. And what Paul is stressing to us is that it's not, it's not the cross which leaves us in bondage to sin. It's the law which leaves us in bondage to sin. The cross isn't a curse. The law is a curse. But the cross, he says, the cross of Jesus Christ gives to us the greatest freedom. Because it was upon the cross that Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, he became sin for us. He became the curse for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And though he was rich, says Paul, yet for our sakes, yet for our sake he became poor. That we through his poverty might become rich. My friend, for Paul, the cross meant everything. So much so that he refused to boast in anything except in the cross of Jesus Christ. And that ought to be the boast of every Christian. Not to boast of self or of ego, but only in the cross of Jesus Christ. Only in the cross. But when we consider what Paul is is saying here, Paul doesn't just speak about the cross from the perspective of Christ dying for our sin. Paul speaks about the cross from the perspective of Paul or the Christian dying with Christ. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. And what Paul is drawing our attention to is the call to Christianity. The call to becoming a Christian. And that call, it was issued by Jesus in the gospel. When Jesus said, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. My friend, the call to become a Christian is the call to take up your cross. The call to, be, to become a Christian is the call to live a crucified life. The call to become a Christian is the call to be crucified with Christ. The call to become a Christian is the call to surrender your will and your heart and your mind all over to Jesus Christ. My friend, the call of the gospel to become a Christian It's all about dying with Christ. It's about dying to sin. And it's about dying to self. Dying to self. It's the hardest thing to do. To die to self. And it was A.W. Tozer. He was an American theologian and writer during the 19th century. He wrote a book... That was based on Paul's words here in Galatians 2 verse 20. And the book was titled The Crucified Life. And it's a brilliant book. It's very, very challenging. It will challenge your every area of your Christianity. And I would highly recommend it. Because throughout the book, Tozer is dealing with the question, 
What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? What does it mean to be crucified with Christ? But in the introduction, Tozer gives his explanation for the title of the book. And he writes, What I mean by the title, The Crucified Life, is a life wholly given over to the Lord in absolute humility and obedience. And then Tozer goes on to say that the crucified life is a life which is committed to following after Jesus Christ, to be more like him, to think like him, to act like him, and to love like him. That is the crucified life. My friend, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's the confession of a Christian. I have been crucified with Christ. My old self, the old man in me, where I enjoyed sin and I boasted in self and I gloried in the pleasures of the world. But now, as a Christian, my confession is that of Paul. God forbid that I should boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ because it's through him that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And what Paul is reminding us is that the life of a Christian, it's a crucified life. And you know, thinking about this crucified life and being crucified with Christ, I'm reminded of those lyrics of a well-known hymn in which the question was asked were you there when they crucified my Lord were you there when they crucified my Lord and the confession of every Christian ought to be I was there when they crucified my Lord I was there when they crucified my Lord Because I have been crucified with Christ. And so what's the confession of a Christian? The confession of a Christian is, I am crucified. I am crucified. But secondly, we see that the confession of a Christian is, I am connected. I am connected. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. And this second statement from Paul's confession of faith, it draws our attention to the theme of union with Christ. Union with Christ. And union with Christ, it's a theological concept which it underlies every aspect of salvation, in which there is a union that exists between Christ and the Christian. And I suppose it could be illustrated with the image of an extension lead. An extension lead in which there's this spiritual extension lead and it's plugged into the source in heaven with Christ. He is the source. He's the source and it extends all the way from the source to the believer on earth. And in that connection, that union, Christ provides every spiritual blessing in heavenly places or as a theologian put it better union with Christ is the fountainhead from which flows the Christian's every spiritual blessing repentance and faith pardon, justification adoption, sanctification 
perseverance and glorification. It's all encapsulated and bound up with the Christian's union with Christ. And you know, I love that question in the larger catechism. It's a question which is, a catechism, it's, it's often neglected. But there are so many precious truths in the larger catechism. Because in question 66, the larger catechism asks, what is union with Christ? And the answer which the catechism gives, it's, it's wonderful. It says, union with Christ is the work of God's grace, whereby the Christian is spiritually and mystically, yet really and inseparably, joined to Christ as their head and husband. And so, by referring to Christ as our head and husband in the catechism, we're given the illustration there of marriage. He's the head and the husband. Marriage, which is the closest union that we have on earth. And yet, it's the image which Scripture uses to describe the Christian's relationship to Christ. Where Christ is our husband. He's our head. He's our bridegroom. And the Christian, which is part of the invisible church, they are the bride. They are the bride. And although the union and the closeness and the relationship between God and mankind, although it was, it was broken at the fall, in which that marriage union was severed, that union is now restored in and through Jesus Christ. And you know, Paul loves this concept of union with Christ. Because in every letter he, he's writing about it and he's talking about it and he's bringing it back to this wonderful union that we have. And he's emphasizing how precious our salvation is because of our union with Christ. And when you read Paul's letters, all you see is that every aspect of our salvation, every spiritual blessing which flows to us, it does so because we are in Christ. We are in Christ. We are in union with Christ. And these are the key phrases for Paul. That we are in Christ. And that we are with Christ. And it all comes back to our union with Christ. And that's what Paul is emphasizing here in his, his confession of faith. Because he's saying, I am connected. I am connected. And because I am connected to the source, I have been crucified with Christ and now it is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me and there's the union there's the union because what Paul is highlighting to us is that the blessings which flow from union with Christ they all come down they all come to us through our union with Christ in his death and our union with Christ in his resurrection because Paul says I have been crucified with Christ. Which means he died with Christ. He died to sin. The old man that was crucified. Dead and buried. But then Paul says. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. Although I was crucified. Dead and buried. I have been made alive again. But I haven't been made alive. In and of myself. No, 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 no. It is Christ who lives in me. And what Paul is saying about the confession of a Christian and their union with Christ is that when the Christian is crucified with Christ, 
They die to sin and they're made free from the demands and power of the law. But in the resurrection, the Christian is raised with Christ. Raised with him. They're raised to the newness of life in which Christ dwells in them. And Paul puts it so beautifully in his letter to the Corinthians when he says, if anyone, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in union with Christ, he says, he or she is a new creation. The old things have passed away. All things have become new. And it's a a wonderful image. Because it's the image of restoration and renewal. It's the image of of new life through the power of the resurrection. It's all newness. Newness of life. And Paul also illustrated this transformation uh, by our union with Christ. He he illustrated it in Romans chapter 6. Because Paul wrote, he said, We were buried with him into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, says Paul, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died once to sin for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And that's the image which Paul is giving to us here. That the Christian and the confession of a Christian is that they have received all the blessings of salvation through their union with Christ in his death and their union with Christ in his resurrection. And because of our union with Christ, there is new life, there is new beginning and in which a change has occurred in the life of the Christian. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. Isn't that such a beautiful statement? It's because it not only draws attention to the union and the closeness and the relationship of the Christian with Christ, but it also shows us that when Christ lives in me, I'm a new person with new desires. New desires that weren't there before. Because when Christ lives in me, there is A desire to read the Bible that wasn't there before. When Christ lives in me, there's a desire to be in church and to hear the preaching of God's word that wasn't there before. When Christ lives in me, there's a desire for the things of Christ that wasn't there before. When Christ lives in me, there's a love for other Christians and I'm drawn to them. And I want to hear what they have to say and I want to speak with them. It wasn't there before. It wasn't there before. And you know, I sometimes wonder that for some of you in here, Christ does live in you. But you just don't realize it yet. Because where else would all these desires come from? 
Where would your interests in church come from? Where would your interest in the Bible come from? Where would your interest in other Christians come from? Where would that come from if Christ didn't live in you? But my friend, what I love about union with Christ and this connection to Christ is that every Christian can say, I hope every one of us can say, because he lives in me, he is always with me. Because he lives in me, he is always with me. He's, he is with me everywhere I go. He's with me when I go to work. He's with me when I go to school. He's with me when I go shopping. He's with me when I'm in the car. But not only that, because he lives in me. He's with me when I go through illness. He's with me when I experience sorrow. He's with me when I'm confronted with things that are too much for me. And my friend, Jesus was true to his word when he said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And he's true to his word because as a Christian, he lives in me. He lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And as the hymn writer wrote, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because he lives, I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. But the wonder of it all is that the Christian can say, he lives in me. Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And so what is the confession of a Christian? Paul reminds us that the confession of a Christian is, I am crucified. And I am connected. But lastly, we see that the confession of a Christian is, I am confident. I am confident. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In the last section of this verse, Paul indicates to us where his confidence comes from as a Christian. But what Paul wants to make perfectly clear is that the confidence of a Christian doesn't come from self. It's not self-confidence. It's not self-assurance. It's not self-righteousness. Yes, there was a day in Paul's life when he was self-confident and self-assured and self-righteous. Because when Paul wrote to the Philippians about his pre-conversion days, he said to them, If anyone thinks they have confidence in the flesh, I had more. I had more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, he says. I was from the stock of Israel. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. But more than that, he says, if you want confidence concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me then, says Paul, these I have counted loss for Christ. 
In fact, I count all things loss for the surpassing value of knowing Christ as my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, he says, and count them as dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Confidence. Confidence, says Paul. My confidence is in no other except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And this change in Paul's life, it had such an impact on him that he also spoke to the Galatians about his self-confidence before he became a Christian. Because he says in chapter 1 at verse 13, You have heard of my former conduct in, in Judaism. How I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. How I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, he called me through his grace. He called me through his grace. And so Paul is saying here in his, his confession of faith, what he's saying is that his confidence is grounded entirely upon the grace of God in Jesus Christ. His confidence wasn't in his ability to keep the law. His confidence wasn't in his works of righteousness and his good deeds in trying to get to heaven. His confidence wasn't even in himself. Because he is confessing here, I have died to self. I have been crucified with Christ. I have been resurrected with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And because he lives in me, and he has changed me, and he's transformed my life, and he's made me a new creature with a new beginning. He says, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul is saying, my confidence, it's in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone. And that ought to be true of every Christian. Your confidence is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Now because of our union with Christ in his death and in his resurrection, our identity, who we are, our identity is now in Jesus Christ. It's no longer in self. We've died to self. We were crucified with Christ that we have crucified the old self with him. We went to the cross with Christ. We have been come out of the empty tomb with Christ. And now I, our identity is that we are one of Christ's people. We are one of his. We are Christians. We are followers of Christ. We are Christians. And of course, being a Christian certainly doesn't mean that we're perfect. And Paul knew that. He confessed to the churches in Rome, the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that is what I keep doing. Christians are not perfect. They're not perfect because they're not the finished article. 
Every Christian is God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. The beginning. The beginning is when he, when you are crucified with him, raised with him. Christ living in you, that's the beginning. There's a long way to go before he's finished with us. And as John Newton said long ago, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world. But still, I'm not what I used to be. And by the grace of God, I am what I am. My friend, that's the confession of a Christian. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That although I'm not perfect, and although I'm not the finished article, when my life is full of flaws and failings, but the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live my life day to day. Every day I live my life, which may be considered as mundane to many people, the mundane things of life. Yet by faith, I know that every day is appointed for me. By faith, I know that every, every moment in my life is a blessing from Christ. And by faith, I know that every providence that has been put in my path and in my experience, it's been put there. By the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And it's for that reason I alone, says the Christian, I look to Jesus. I look to Jesus because he is the author and he is the finisher of my faith. My friend, this is the testimony of the Christian. Where they can say, I am confident in Christ my Saviour. I, and I have the assurance that through my union with Christ, there is nothing I can do to make God love me any more than he already does. And there is nothing I can do to make God love me any less. Because my confidence, it's not in, in self. It's not in me. But in the assurance of his promise to me. That neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature is able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. Therefore I live every day as a Christian, and I live it knowing that Christ is with me. I live it knowing that Christ is in me. I live it knowing that Christ loves me. And I live my life every day as a Christian, knowing that Christ gave himself for me. For me. For me. That's the confession of a Christian. That's the confession of a Christian. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who confesses, I am crucified with Christ. I am connected to Christ. I am confident in Christ. 
I am crucified with Christ. I am connected to Christ. And I am confident in Christ. A Christian is someone who confesses, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so my only question for you, my friend, is, are you a Christian? Are you a Christian? And if you're not a Christian, why? Why? Do you want to become a Christian? If you do, then make this confession your confession of faith. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee for Jesus Christ. We have so much in Him. We have so much because of Him. We have so much through Him. And Lord, help us to be thankful for every blessing that is found in Him. O Lord, to give Thee the praise and the glory for providing such a wonderful Saviour. Help us, Lord, to follow after Thee, to confess that He is my Christ, my God, my King and my Lord. Help us, Lord, to follow after Him. Lord, do us good, then we pray Thee. Bless Thy word to our souls. Help us, Lord, to apply it in our lives and to see that every promise and every blessing is ours in and through Jesus Christ. Go before us then, for we ask it in his name and for his sake. Amen. We shall conclude by singing in Psalm 116. Psalm 116, that's page 395 in the Scottish Psalter. <clears throat> Psalm 116, singing from the beginning down to the verse marked 4. I love the Lord because my voice and prayers he did hear. I, while I live, will call on him who bowed to me his ear. Of death the cords and sorrows did about me compass round. The pains of hell took hold on me, I grief and trouble found. Upon the name of God the Lord, then did I call and say, Deliver thou my soul, O Lord, I do thee humbly pray. These verses of Psalm 116, to God's praise.
of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.